0: we are here back at church here we are welcome to church September 8 2019 can you believe it we have turned a, a corner and uh, September is upon us it's already plowing uh, September is a big month for me but you know every seven days we do this it just keeps going right every seven days every seven days for hundreds and even thousands of years Church has happened every seven days. And it's not just where you go. It's all around the world, the entire face of the earth. Today, which is, you know, over a span of quite a few hours because it's not always the same time around the world. It's very confusing to me. And it messes me up. But all around the world today, nearly 2.5 billion human souls who call themselves Christians have had the opportunity and the call to worship in a church. You are not alone. We are part of a huge movement. Sitting here, you think it's just this, and you look around, and it's just this. No. 2.5 billion humans that are alive right now. Can you imagine all of the Christians that have gone on before us? This is an incredibly huge Thing That goes on. Those 2.5 billion human souls gather in 37 million church buildings around the world. It is estimated there are 37 million churches around the world. Can you believe that? 37 million yards that have to be weeded at church and Sunday schools, and children's churches, and all of that stuff going on all around the world. The church is alive, and it is big, and it is amazing. Everybody say amazing. Jesus Christ said that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, starts with one, and yet when it goes into the ground and it dies, you bury it, and it will sprout forth, and it will turn into the largest tree in the garden where everything can come and rest in it and find shade in it, and that has come to pass. For Christianity at this time in in history, it is the largest uh, religious belief and gathering across the world. Don't tell me it's shrinking. Don't tell me it's small. Don't tell me it's dying. It is not. That is a lie from the enemy that wants to discourage you, the people of God, to stay home and to get discouraged and get beat down and maybe back up and retreat and slow down and and, and maybe quiet down just a little bit. But I am here to tell you that the church is not dead. God is not dead. And he is on the move. And the church is a mighty, mighty, mighty place. Some churches, they do church really well. They, the church is full of love and life, encouragement, community. There's truth that comes forth. The leadership is pure. It's filled with surrendered, surrendered. We learned about this last week. Surrendered people, and they change their community. People walk in, and they feel the love of God in church, and they surrender themselves to the kingdom, and they become better people, amen? But some churches, maybe not so well. Some churches, and I don't know, I've been, I've, I've, attended these. I hate to say, sometimes it was here. But sometimes church can be filled with strife. Sometimes church can be filled with division, with failure, with pain. Sometimes there's sexual sin inside of church. Sometimes there's sin in general. Sometimes there's self-will instead of self-surrender. Because the church is filled with human beings that are broken, Sometimes church isn't done well. Sometimes instead of changing the community, they're, they're squabbling about how to change the carpet and the paint color inside for a very long time. And it doesn't get done. Did you know that there is a, um, there is a, a church in Israel, in Jerusalem? I think it's the church of the something or other. It was the, it's the really big one. <laughs> church of the Sepulchre, I think. I think it's the church of the sepulcher. Anyway, uh, you know, and and it used to be the church was just one thing. It was just the Catholic church all over. And then there was all these divisions and changes and and everybody's. And now if you go in that church, there are eight different church denominations that occupy that building. And they're each assigned a wall. And it's a wall, and it's their wall, and don't you dare touch my wall. And there's all this stuff going on. And and, uh, like 150 years ago, they had to do some repair work. And so they took a ladder, and it's a really high church, and they put the ladder up on this church. I should have had this picture. They put the ladder up there to work, and that particular group came came to church that day and saw a ladder on their wall. And they called a halt to the work. And guess what? That ladder is still there. They don't allow anyone to go up and get it because it's their wall. And nobody can come to an agreement as to who should go up and get the ladder. It is still there, people. I'm telling you a true story. We saw it with our very own eyes. So sometimes church has done amazing, sometimes not so well. Right? But I am here to uh, to say to you that it's the last thing I do here at New Horizon. This church is going to be done really well. And I pray that you are with us. Duane and I, we are committed to this, and uh, we are going to just reflect the Holy Spirit like never, ever before. Why church? Why? Why? It seems like it's a lot of work, and, you know, we could mow our lawns on Saturday Sunday mornings. You know, it'd be a, a real, real, you know, comfortable time to get a lot done that you didn't finish up on Saturday. Why church? Why church? Is it a place? What is church? Is it four walls and a, a floor and a ceiling? Is it the people who come? Is that the church? Is it the presence of God? Wherever you find the presence of God, is that church? What is church? I want you to open up to uh, Genesis 28. And uh, we see an image emerging here really, really early on. I think I need to get my Bible fixed. Um, When I go to Thailand each time, they have a rebinding place there that they'll, they'll rebind my Bible in a, in a week for just 10 bucks or something like that. So I'm going to get this thing done again. This is my favorite Bible. And if I lose any of it, it's bad. So uh, Genesis 28. <laughs> don't worry about buying me a new Bible. I don't want a new Bible. This, I know where everything is in this one and everything's underlined how I like it. So, so you know, don't feel sorry for me or whatever. I'm going to get it fixed when we go to Thailand. <laughs> hopefully. Okay, Genesis 28. A concept emerges about what church is, okay? And uh, we find Jacob. Jacob is the third of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name eventually is turned to Israel, and his sons become the 12 tribes of Israel, and voila, the nation of Israel. So that's a little bit of who this guy is. So he ends really good and really big, but he starts really bad in life. How many of you guys have started bad in life? And gotten a little bit better as we go, amen, hallelujah, there's always hope. So Jacob, the name, his name means conniver, and uh, we find him at this point, he's stolen a bunch of stuff from his brother, he's stolen the birthright and the blessing, and his brother hates him, and his brother's going after him for his life, and his mom calls him in because his mom was in the middle of all this drama, everybody say family drama. Okay, so she calls him in and says, okay, listen, Jacob, you got to get out of here. He's going to kill you, and I want you to go up to Haran where our family is and go there and hide out, and I'll send word when things are, are good for you to come home. So Jacob goes, okay, so he packs up his little knapsack, and he takes off, and it says here that he left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Beersheba is the southest part of the promised land, and Haran is over the border of the northern part. Of, so he had a long journey, okay? So he's going a long way. This isn't just like going to some, from Sumner to Puyallup. He was on his way. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Now already, I, you lost me because I'm never going to use a rock for a pillow. But apparently, this is what a lot of people did and kind of do in the, in the eastern areas of the world. Uh, So he takes a rock and he puts it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth and its top reaching into heaven. Now I want to take just a moment here and and let you know that the connotation in the original language here is that this ladder was anchored in heaven and it came down and rested on earth. So this ladder originates and is from heaven Reaching down to earth. Now, most religions are man trying to reach heaven. But a huge difference here, and and he's setting a concept forth here, that this is all about heaven concerned with earth. Heaven reaching down to earth. God coming to us. Amen? Uh, Reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. Now, there above it, that word also, that little phrase there can be also uh, translated, and I don't know what your Bible say, but it says, it can say upon it, upon that ladder, above that ladder, and on that ladder, okay? So basically, what you're having to understand is the Lord, who's mentioned here, is very active on the ladder. Everybody say, very active. Very active. This is his place and where he loves to abide is where heaven meets earth and he loves to go up and down the lord here many 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 scholars agree very strongly that this is jesus himself jesus loves to inhabit the ladder coming from heaven down to earth jesus is that one that is constantly interacting with us okay so so much depth here right Okay, so there, uh, there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like dust of the earth, and you will spread out from the east, the west to the east and the north to the south. Now, uh, all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until you have, I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this. Surely the Lord is in this. Okay, I want you to see that the Lord is in a place. Okay. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. God loves to be in a place. And sometimes we're not aware of it. But sometimes we are. So surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gateway of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone and he had placed it under his head and set it up as a pillar, poured oil upon it. And he called that place Bethel or Bethel, Through though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, I will take, I am taking, I will, and give, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up will be a, uh, will be a, as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. The house of God. A place. A place. Why do we need a place? God is spirit. He's transcended. He's everywhere. He is not restricted to place and time. He can be anywhere. He can be in your future and he can be in your past at the same time where you're standing in your middle, right here in the present. God is a spirit. He is all around. He is everywhere. and not, he's, not, he's better than Santa. Santa says he gets around the world in one night, but you know, it never happens. God, he is around the world at all times. He is not restricted to place and time, but we are. We occupy occupy a place of time and space. So when God transcends into our lives, into humanity, into the world, he has to find places and times. And this is a place. Bethel is actually mentioned in the Bible, uh, the most, it's the most mentioned place second to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's the, the biggest, then Bethel. Bethel is a place that then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, if you read through the Old Testament, you'd find Bethel popping up all the time. Bethel is, remember they said, he said you're going to spread out east to west, north and south? Well, that, that was an amazing prophecy because Bethel, that place, ends up being the major crossroads for all of that area, all of that Middle East. There was a huge caravan route that came through east and, or, yeah, east and west, and there was one that came through north and south. And if you're going to go anywhere, if you're over here and you want to go over there, you're going to come to Bethel and then make your change. And that transpired after this moment. So when God said, you're going to spread out north, south, east, and west, he wasn't kidding. And He was going to, you're going to make that spreading from this place, from this place called the house of God. This is where we take our marching orders. This is where we take our direction. This is where you change direction. This is where you get to where you need to go, the house of God. Amen? It's also a place that becomes a main center of worship. Uh, The Ark of the Covenant stayed here for a very long time. There was lots and lots of worship that happened at, at Bethel. There was never any animal sacrifice. That was always at the temple or the tabernacle, wherever that was, but not at Bethel. Bethel was a place, a house of worship. This is where Elijah brought Elisha to meet with the prophets This is an amazing place. Bethel turns into just this amazing place. There are places where the Spirit of God transcends time and space. So the concept that's emerging here is that church is a place. It's an actual place. It's a place. And now it's all over the place, places around, all over the place. But they're places. Everybody say place. Okay, so is the house of God. uh, Let's turn to John uh, John 1. See if I can do this without losing my whole entire Bible. There we go. So church is a place. Church is also presence. Bethel only became the place and the house of God because the presence of God was there. And Jesus, this first chapter of John, he's having a conversation with Philip and Nathaniel. And I don't want to go into all that because I'm losing time here. But you're going to find down here, uh, he has this conversation and he, he works a miracle. He has a word of knowledge. Verse 50, I'm going to start at 50 if you could back up one. He says, "Jesus, you Jesus said, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that, verse 51. He then added, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus, wherever he is, he is a portal, shall we say, or he is a, a place where the presence of God exchanges with humanity. And wherever you gather, and the presence of Jesus is there, the presence of God is there. And church is where that exchange happens. Always, 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 always. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Every single person sitting in this room, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a housing, a place, a location, a a capsule of the Holy Spirit. It it resides inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides inside of you. So each and every one of you, as an individual, if you've experienced salvation, you are now you're walking with God, and it's very important. You carry the presence of God everywhere you go. Church is place, church is presence, and church is people. When we gather together, we all are bringing the Holy Spirit into that door. You're not just coming to fulfill a duty. You're carrying the Holy Spirit together. And, and when you, you as a, a, an individual is so important, salvation is all about this alignment between you and God. It's an incredible place where what used to be out of alignment, where there was brokenness and sin and, and, and distance with God. When you come into salvation, it all comes into alignment. It's you and God. And then you spend the rest of your life keeping yourself aligned with God. Amen. I said, say, hello. Keeping ourselves in that alignment with God. But salvation is that alignment with God. It's so important. You are a temple, but I will tell you, you are not a church. And I'm going to mess with you. You are the church. You are a part of the church. But you're not the church. Because you can't be the church all by yourself. You can't be the church all by yourself. I, uh, I, are the Seahawks playing today? Who knows? I don't know. I don't even have a TV, okay? I'm still lost in the wilderness, wandering, but it's coming. What's his name? Russell. I almost said Jim Zorn. Boy, I messed up here. <laughs> Sorry, Bizub. Sorry. I don't know where you are. I know. <laughs> Russell, the Lord is just on me. He's just messing me all up. He is a Seahawk, right? Yeah. But he's not the Seahawks. He can't get nothing done. He's important, but he's not as important as the whole. So salvation, you, you're, you, what you carry, you are ever so important, but you don't do church alone. You can't go on a hike and get out in nature and say, I, that's my church, that's where I have church. No, that's where you have worship. That's where you connect with God, but you're not doing church. I'm messing with you. Because there is a lie from the pit of hell that wants to destroy the house of God. Because the house of God is where Christians gather together to do something you cannot do when you're separate. You can go out and you can go on a hike, and I do this all the time. I absolutely love it. And I adore it. I, I feed off of it. I love it. And I get close to God there. And I have had so many people say, Yeah, that's my church. I just go out and do that on Sundays because it's so refreshing to my soul. I'm like, Well, you know what? That's absolutely wonderful. And you're having worship and you're drawing close to God, but you ain't doing church. Come on. Come on. Come on. on. Sorry. And then I'm gonna meddle a little bit more. Because in this day and age, we got TVs. We got TV cameras, and it's going on live out all over the place. And praise God for that. And if you are, if you are unable to get to a church or you are in a place where you, it's impossible for you, then very just you go right on ahead. You go and do what you got to do. But I will tell you that if you stay home because you don't want to drive to church or you don't want you you're just, yeah, 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 whatever, you're not doing church. You're hearing a good word, but you're not doing church. Because I'm here to tell you that a church is a place of a gathering. Church is a place of gathering. Jesus himself said where there's two or three gathered together, I am there in their midst. There's something that happens when multiple Christians who are the temple of the Holy Spirit gather together. You can do all sorts of things by yourself. You can worship God. You can hear from God. You can do all sorts of things. You can can pray. You can do all sorts of things, but you can't do by yourself what we do when we gather. Church is an alignment of you and others and God. You and God's salvation. Church is an alignment of you, others, and God. And I cannot tell you how absolutely vital and important that alignment is. Hebrews, I'm going as fast as I can because time is ticking away. Hebrews, and I hope you're you're catching what I'm saying. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened us up for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of god let us draw near to god with a sincere hearts and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed in pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess this sounds a lot like salvation Sounds like a lot that you have to do on your own. This is what you do in your quiet time. This is what you set your mind on every morning when you wake up and every night when you go to bed. You are setting your soul in alignment with God. Uh, Having our bodies washed with pure water, verse 23, but let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. One another. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We start hearing this phrase, and it's going to become very, very frequent in the New Testament, and that is one another. I have so many fun verses here. Church is a one another experience. There's something about you and another. And when you come to church, you don't get to pick your another You get to pick sort of your church. God calls you to a church. But the others are the other ones that just show up. Sometimes I like them. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes you bug me. Sometimes I love you. Sometimes you smell. Sometimes you smell good. Sometimes not so good. Sometimes you let me down. Sometimes you come through for me, but it's the another person. I don't know why it is. Look around. There's many, many bodies sitting here. Why did God choose that? Why didn't he just make one man and stick with that one one human and get that one human fixed and then take him to heaven and call it a day? It would have been so much easier. But he didn't because he loves many, 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 and he calls many to come together. Together, I'm going to read you. I have so many verses here. I'm just going to be at peace with one another. Love one another. Did you know that love one another over 11 times in just the gospel of John? Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Accept one another. Then just as Christ has accepted you greet one another with a holy kiss. All right, people. Now, if you're after something, you know, you just, it's a holy kiss. When you come together, eat, to eat, wait for each other, have equal concern for each other. Here it is again, greet another with a holy kiss. And that happens two more times. Uh, Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate with one another. Forgive one another. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourself. Bear with each other, teach one another, admonish one another, make your love increase and overflow for each other, love each other, encourage each other, encourage each other, build up each other, encourage one another daily, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, encourage one another, confess your sins to another, pray with each other, love one another deeply from the heart, live in harmony with one another, love each other completely, and I'm not finished yet, clothe yourself with humility towards one another, greet one another with another holy kiss love one another, 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 and love one another. If we're going to be the church, if we're going to follow what God has for us, we have to have another. And it's not just your family another. Family is a whole other institution set up by God. And I could preach on that all day too. I love that, that institution. I love that. But there is an institution called the church. And it's filled with others. And it's vital. It's vital. Sometimes I also have more another's here because when we get together, there's this synergistic community of edification that happens when we all come together. But what are we supposed to do when we get together? We're supposed to do something. We're supposed to wash one another's feet. Are you ready for this? Are we, we're supposed to instruct one another? We're supposed to serve one another in love. We're supposed to carry one another's burdens. We are supposed to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Oh, they're coming over again. It's care group again. I hope they don't hurt anything this time. Each one of you is supposed to use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. To serve one another. So here at New Horizon, we have this thing, really cool thing called pathways or pathway to purpose. And it starts with salvation, like we just talked about. Salvation. Then we talk a lot about coming together, community, connecting. It's that puzzle piece up there. And I read those to you, all those hundreds of get together, love one another, blah, 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 one another. That's what we're trying to get you to do with all these small groups. This is how church is supposed to run. And then these ones that I just told you, we're supposed to serve one another. So what? I'm not supposed to just come to church and uh, 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 Oh, I feel so good. (sighs) I'm ready to go now. No. We are supposed to come together and serve one another. Wash one another's feet. We are supposed to come together and teach one another. We're supposed to to come together and, and encourage one another. We're supposed to do something when we come together. So I'm here to kill another lie of the devil. When you come to church, it ain't about you. It's about another. Everybody say, it's about another. another. I think I'm treading on some toes right now. Y'all got to love me. Y'all got to love me. I got three minutes. It gets messy. There's lots of do's and don'ts. But I'll tell you what, church is still a vital piece of God's plan. Ephesians 3.10 says, through the church. And that word church there is the general local assembly. Nothing other than the general local assembly through the church, that meeting place, not the big ethereal church in general around the world. No, it's the local meeting house of the Lord, the manifold, multifaceted, many areas. You're looking into a diamond and there's a 100,000 different sparkles. That's the manifest. It has so many different arrangements and arrays that come forth. Wisdom of God. Wisdom of God. Not the wisdom from below that is is jealousy and, and troublesome, but the wisdom of God that is higher than our thoughts. And it's going to be made known to the rulers, and authorities and to heavenly realms. Where is it coming from? Right here. Right here. Right here. Body of Christ. We've been called the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. How many of you have a head? How many of you ever look at your body and go, what in the world happened there? You know, it gets flabby sometimes, and you're not even looking. Or sometimes you get cancer. What is that? It has to get cut off. Or sometimes you get these things called autoimmune diseases, where your own body starts consuming itself. And your head is looking at your body like, what are you thinking? Christ is the head. This church is a part of the body of Christ. And I declare right now there will be no cancer in this house. I declare right now there will be no autoimmune disease where we bite and devour one another. I declare right now that this church will not become fat and obese, lazy and and lethargic. I also declare right now that this body of Christ will not be anorexic Lacking meat, lacking knowledge, lacking wisdom, lacking the things that it needs. Oh no, this church here at New Horizon is going to take in wisdom. It's going to take in good things. It's going to feast on the word of God and then it's going to rise up and it's going to do something with it. It's going to be strong. It's going to be buff. It's going to have muscles and you don't get that by laying around and coming to church to consume for yourself. You do it by coming here and getting to work and serving. Did you know that right now, as you sit here enjoying yourself, there are quite a few helpers out there serving you, taking care of the children, serving all over here? That's what this church is going to be filled with. We started with a single cell, we now have 30 trillion cells in your body. They're well organized, they're functioning, they're capable. When Jesus Christ came, he came as one. I want the band to come up. He came as one. He set the standard. He served. He washed feet. He raised the dead. He spoke wisdom on a constant basis. He was teaching. He was bringing the heart of God. He was showing what love was. Jesus Christ walked this earth as a single single man, fully God, fully man, showing us the kingdom. And instead of having a huge takeover, going and knocking down the Romans and and taking over, he died. And he left his followers stunned. Now what? Now what? He, He had made his intentions clear. This was supposed to be the be, be the biggest biggest tree in the whole world and he's dead. He was one. He's dead. He's gone. What are we going to do? There was a composer. His name was Puccini. He lived in the late 1800s. He was an opera composer. World renowned. He composed many many operas. And he fell ill. And when he fell ill, and he knew his days were numbered, he decided to write his best opera. And he worked hard day and night, night and day, and his his students around him said, stop, you need to slow down, you need to rest, you shouldn't be doing so much, because if you do so much, you're gonna die. And he said, no, I have this, this is my last, I have to do this. And he was composing, and composing, and composing, until one day he died, right in the middle of it. So you can see the notes, and the, the registers, and everything, done. And his students mourned his death, and then they gathered together, and they looked at this amazing opera that needed to be finished. And they looked at one another, and they said, okay, we're going to finish it. So they got to work. And as they were writing, together they wrote, all of the students, not just one, all of the students, and they would work with one another, and they'd say, you know, I don't think that sounds quite like what he would have done. Oh, Okay. So let's change it. Let's adjust it just a little bit more. They worked together, together, together until they were able to discover the sound that Puccini would have put together. And then the night of the big debut, they kept it under wraps. They sold out. The whole place filled and packed. the orchestra was in place and the singers were in place and they selected one of the students to lead everything and he stepped to the podium and he took up his baton and he began to direct this man's last works and oh was it amazing the people the crowds were moved by what this man had in him that he was able to lay down in his last moments of his life and the play it was playing and playing and playing and everyone was just and he was going and then all of a sudden Silence. And the student turned around and he said, that's the last that he wrote. The Place was silent. Tears streaming down his face. He turned around and he picked up the baton and began to direct what the students had written. And it was so flawless, oh Jesus. It was so flawless. It sounded just like the master had written it. And it had new nuances to it that that hadn't been before. And it came to its final ending, and when it finished, the crowd stood up and roared. And I would say to you, when Jesus Christ died, he left two things, the Holy Spirit And the church and we are meant to pick up where he left off we are meant I want you all to stand right now we are meant to pick up where he left off you are his students you've been hearing his words you've been feeling his heartbeat you are a part of his movement you are a part of who he is you are the one that is set in this earth to continue what Jesus had done play it. You are. You are it. I want the band to just kind of be quiet for just a moment. Just bring it down. Just a hair. I want you right now to turn around. I want you to face the person either behind you or in front of you. Go ahead. Move it. There you go. I know some people can't turn around. Okay. If y'all turn around, we still have the same mess. Find somebody. Grab their hand. Put your hand on their shoulder. And I want you to look him in the eye and I want you to say, you are my another. I'm committed to you. You are my other. I'm committed to serve you. I'm committed to love you. I'm so grateful for you. Your light shines. And I'm here to encourage you. Let it shine. Pray over him right now in Jesus' name. Just pray over him. Thank you, Father. 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 Oh, the body of Christ, it's a beautiful thing right now. It's doing a lot of another. Hallelujah. Encourage them. Edify them. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. praise you, Father, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I pray also that your eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints whose hands you hold right now and his incomparable great power for those of us who believe in him. For God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who live, fills everything in every way in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray right now. I pray right now. Turn around and look at me. Grab hands with the person next to you now. Grab hands with that person. I know we're ready to get Get out of here, but I'm just, I'm loving the body of Christ. How many of you love the body of Christ? You are the finishing of Jesus' life. Grab that hand right now. I declare right now, New Horizon is filled with your Holy Spirit. I pray right now, every member in particular is filled with their goodness in Jesus' name. I do warfare for the person I'm holding, their hands of, those around us in Jesus' name. And I commit to serve this body, and I commit that this is a house of worship, that your presence is here, whether we've known it or not. Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good, amen? We're going to go out with worship today. I hope you have an increase, yes, give them a hand. I hope you love the church. I love the church. I hope you love the church. I hope you see the significance of church. I hope you see the significance of each other. We're going to worship. If you need to go, we totally understand. We're glad you're here. If you can stay, stay. Grab Frank on your way out, and the department heads are there uh, for our meeting in Jesus' name. So let's go out with worship. Amen. The weapon may be.